You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is the 2020 Trade Deadline Special, Rum Buncher Radio. Trey Andrew, Marty Lee, Nick Caparoso. We are joined again by staff writer Noah Wright. Guys, Pirates Nation, this season there is not a whole lot to be excited about to this point. But thankfully, the trade deadline is one thing that we can get a whole, whole lot of excitement around. This is the future of Pirates baseball. This, this is one day. That could change everything we know about the franchise and the way it progresses moving forward. Ben Sherrington's first trade deadline. Derek Shelton getting to experience the trade deadline for the first time as a manager. Whole lot to talk about tonight. Let's get right into it. Let's start by talking about Ben Sherrington a little bit more. Maybe what, what kind of strategy we expect to see in trade deadline number one. I think you'll see Sherrington... Um, you know, operate in a similar way to the Starling Marte trade and even this year's draft class. I think you'll see him look for prospects who are going to fall in more of that 2023 to 2025 range. Uh, so you're talking younger prospects, uh, 18 to 20 years old, uh, who might have a little higher ceilings be and that that's what you get for taking those younger prospects um i wrote about this earlier this week neil huntington you know where he really made the mistake in the garrett cole trade was he was looking for players who could help immediately because he was trying to show like an immediate return on trading away a guy like garrett cole and that backfired on him Ben Charrington could have went out, traded Sterling Marte, and got you know an outfielder to come up and replace him right away. But instead, he went. He got two high upside younger guys, knowing that this team's real window of contention is probably a couple years down the road. So, if I had to guess, he'll be targeting um, younger prospects, which fans might not be thrilled about, but it makes sense if you look at the nucleus of the farm system. Yeah, and I think a big part of it, too, at the trade deadline this year is if you look at what the Pirates are going to have available, um, you know, they're, they're definitely going to look to move Keone Kella. And he's a free agent to be, so whoever gets him is only going to get him for a month, which is going to cut down on his trade value. I think they're going to look very aggressively to move Adam Frazier, who would definitely net them more in return than Kella because of the years of control. But still, push come to shove, Frazier is – an average to slightly above average player. So you're not going to net a massive return for him. You have Derek Holland, 
who we'll get into this more later in the episode, but it definitely seems there could be some smoke there with Holland that I think they'll look to move him. But again, like Kella free agent to be, I think if the pirates wanted to make a splash at this deadline, if they really wanted to go out and make a trade to bring a significant talent into the farm system, the best way to do that would be for them to aggressively look to move Josh Bell before the end of the month. I agree with trying to move Josh Bell before the end of the month that I think he's a I think he could be a really valuable trade piece and his struggles last year were a bit overstated. I said in an article that he actually did do he actually did really good in September or August and September and he got unlucky unlucky too because he's still tearing the cover off the ball and just and he had like a batting average of balls in play of like 233 I think or somewhere around there. So I think that they should be aggressively trying to move him. I don't think we're going to get that much back for Kella, but you know, if we could get some high, really high, like a high upside prospect, that would be nice. Frazier, same thing. If we could get some, a few, like a few ups, high upside guys from, I would be happy with that. Musgrove is an interesting one, and like you said, we'll get him to, we'll get into that a little bit later with just how pitching's been this year. My biggest thing is with the expiring contract guys is that Charrington's overall strategy of aiming for these younger prospects who might have a loftier ceiling, but are a little more raw. Um, you know, that's the kind of guys you aim to get on those expiring deals. So hopefully uh, him and his team can use their expertise to get the right guys. Certainly. And you guys, you know, bring up Josh Bell, um, you talked about it pretty casually, but that's, you know, that gets a lot of people gasping. You know, that, that's, that's the piece on this team right now. That is the guy who you may, you may think is untouchable. Is there anybody on this Pirates team right now that we can realistically say is off the table for getting traded or is this just going to be a free-for-all? I think the only one that I would say is truly untouchable at this point is Brian Reynolds. But aside from him, I wouldn't put it past Charrington to listen in on any deals on anyone else, pretty much. No, I see, yeah, I agree. Reynolds is the only guy, <clears throat> unless some team just came and just absolutely blew me away, like a exactly. deal you can't say no to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Reynolds is the guy. Yeah, you're always going to Reynolds listen. is the guy I would not move. I mean, I understand he's struggling some this year, but the dude just – Here's the control. Yeah, and he's just such a good hitter. He's not going to continue to struggle. You have him for five more seasons after this. You know, realistically, whenever you're looking to compete again in two, three years, Reynolds is probably the center of that core. Yeah, yeah, he might be the leader in 2013. Exactly. So Reynolds is the only guy that under no circumstance I'd move. I mean, there's some other guys that, again, I'd have to really be blown away for to move. But Reynolds is probably the only guy I wouldn't actively listen on, I should say. The Bell thing makes sense. There's a hunger for power in the league, and I know the Pirates don't have a lot of that, and that's a counterpoint. But, you know, we keep talking about the window, and I mentioned about just looking at the farm system and where their top prospects measure out to come up. And like Marty just said, Reynolds and Newman and those guys really will be in their prime in two to three years. So a guy like bell who only has two years left, you know, at this point, the longer you wait to trade him, the more value he will lose. So now's kind of the time to start shopping him. I mean, they might not do it at the deadline, but I can guarantee that you will start hearing some stuff this off season. So 
really why not start listening at the deadline if the right teams are interested. And right now, too, you know, you get Josh Bell at highest value if you're looking to trade him because he's become a league name and people understand what he's capable of. You don't want to wait, mess around and then lose value in Josh Bell and and not get the return that this team could have. Because in two or three years, like you guys said, we don't know that that Josh Bell is necessarily still going to be the centerpiece of the team. Brian Reynolds, it's pretty safe and secure. He will not be traded. But let's get right into it. The guys that are most likely to be traded on this team, uh, we listed a few earlier this week getting prepared, um, but but who do you guys expect to see go first, I guess? Adam Frazier has kind of been the name on my mind, and now that you know Derek Holland's name has been brought up, been brought up a little bit more, you know, let's, let's uh, get the discussion going on that. Do we see him traded first? I, I think so, yeah. I think whenever Holland's original start – for his either Tuesday or Wednesday night against Cleveland was scratched, and all the Pirates would say is that his next start will come later in the week. I think that's pretty telling. Um, Nick and I were also talking to some sources around the league earlier in the earlier in the week, and they told us that they have heard that Holland something is coming with Holland. Um, I don't know teams or anything, but a, a trade with Holland of some sort does seem to be pretty close. So I personally wouldn't be surprised if Derek Holland is not with the Pirates by the end of the week. Now, right now, how pitching's working in baseball, you just see constant injury and add injury and injury to pitchers and stuff. And right now, I think teams are just going to be looking for guys that they can rely on to that aren't going to get injured. And Holland, aside from, I don't even, do you spend any time on the injured list last year? He's been a pretty durable starter throughout his career. And right now, I think you just need guy, uh, some guy that you can rely on to put out there for five solid innings. And a lot of teams just need that right now with just the way pitchers have been going down with injuries. That's a big thing. And I wrote about that earlier. Uh, Holland is a perfect fit for any team that's looking to make a playoff run. He's a lefty. He can start. He can be effective out of the bullpen as well. So, uh, some Somewhere he's spent time the last couple seasons. So, you know, any team looking to make a playoff run um, who needs pitching, which is, you know, by my math, is every playoff team because every year playoff teams need pitching. So there should be a market for Derek Holland. There's no doubt about that. Now, like we said, you're not going to get something that's going to necessarily move the needle, but still something for him is better than nothing. I think one thing with Holland too, the teams are going to like is, I mean, the guy has a ton of postseason experience with the Texas Rangers you know, he, he's pitched in the World Series twice. He is someone who is widely viewed as one of the best clubhouse presents in the league at this point. Uh, he's someone who can bring a lot of valuable things off the field to a young pitching staff. So I think even just the, the player he is at this point in his career, that aside, Holland brings value in a trade just because of what he brings off the field as well. And I, I, don't, I think a lot of times people really do – overlook how much a lot of teams around baseball do value that clubhouse presence, do value that postseason experience, especially in Holland's case where you have World Series experience in more than one season. So I think all of that factors into his value as well. Well, and like you said, Nick, um, you know, something's better than nothing, especially for a guy that didn't even begin the year on this roster. Um, 
you know, I, I think anything, even if it doesn't move the needle, would be would be huge because Derek Holland is the last guy you see winning a World Series with the Pirates um, when that time comes, hopefully pretty soon. And here. here's what I'll say. No one thought that Tomaj Thomas or O'Neill Cruz were necessarily big pickups when they got them. They were raw 18-year-old guys who were projectable and no one really knew if they would turn into top prospects or not. Both have. So, you know, when you throw out just some of these random younger players that teams get, they might not look great right away, but they also are looking at how they could project and develop over the course of their careers. So, um, you know, don't necessarily judge the trade right away. You're talking about a small chip here for, you know, a small chip coming back. No doubt. No doubt. And, um, you know, with a guy like Holland, hopefully, you know, you got to think he's done enough in Pittsburgh. He's had some blown up innings, but you think he's done enough to, to at least get one guy that you look at and say, okay, you know, we, we can, we can turn that into something here down the road. Uh, but a guy like Adam Frazier, I think brings back a, a good bit of value to an extent when we're talking about teams like the Yankees or teams that need a bat to come off the bench or just a utility player. Adam Frazier is a perfect fit. What do you guys, what do you guys see in his future? And maybe who do the Pirates look to get for a guy like Adam Frazier? I think Adam Frazier's market is probably already pretty robust. And you, you hit the nail on the head. Frazier can play elite um, defense at second. I shouldn't say elite, but he's played very good defense at second base over the last year and a half. He can provide <laughs> depth in the outfield. He can also provide, like you said, just being that utility player off the bench. He's proven he can do that. That's how he pretty much established himself as a big leaguer. So the fact that he can play multiple positions, he's a left-handed bat, you know, that is going to give him value, but also that a team acquiring him will have him for the rest of this year and through next year. So having that extra year of control will be big for um, his return, you know, similar to why they traded Marte, you know, last off season was the, once again, the more control these guys have, the more return you're going to get. So right now, if I had to guess based off of just valuing it, they're probably going to get about 245 prospects for Frazier, which would probably give them about like two top 15 type uh, prospects in their system. I definitely think one of the teams that's going to be really in Frazier this upcoming deadline is going to be the Yankees. I mean, they have they just had DJ LeMahieu on the injured list. They just put Stan and Judge on the disabled list. So you're losing three bat- two corner outfielders and a second baseman that – we're playing we're everyday players for you. I mean, somewhere you can find a guy like Frazier in a to play somewhere. LeMahieu is a free agent after this season too. And you know And also a team like the Yankees are always looking yeah. for like those certain parts where they can save a little bit of money so they can spend elsewhere. Yeah. And the not LeMahieu's a free agent after the year and Stanton and Judge are always injured. So it's always nice to have a guy that you can really just put every, anywhere you want, especially when you have a gu- guys with injury history, you have a guys that go, are about to hit free agency and Frazier can fill whatever role that the Yankees would really need right now. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Let's go back to the off season. Another team I would definitely would watch with Adam Frazier would be the Padres as well. Um, 
And I think with the Padres, I'd throw the Oakland A's in there too as a team to watch. That could help with Keller's value too. Yeah, and I think with the Padres where it could get interesting is, I mean, they already – every team can use the bullpen arm. And the Padres just lost Kirby Yates. So do you maybe see some sort of potential package deal there with Frazier and Keller maybe being discussed together with San Diego? I mean, it would make a lot of sense. With the pot. And he's yeah. going to be a free agent to be. Yeah, because if, if Keller goes out there, there's a good shot. He is, you know, probably the closer or at least definitely pitching a lot of extremely high leverage situations. You know, maybe him. I was just going to say, and he's so, going to be a free agent to be a team like the Padres, you know, would be a nice fit for him. Maybe going forward, it gives him a chance to go on to West coast. You know, it seems like he hasn't exactly liked being out this way. So <laughs> exactly. And that, yeah, that might in turn increase his chances of potentially signing long-term with the Padres, which, you know, can entice them to give up more. And I, I just, I, I think that's one that would make a lot of sense. Like I said, even with the Padres, I mean, AJ Preller, he's kind of known for you know being a little reactionary at times, maybe not always thinking things out the best. So I think that could potentially be something there too, where it, he has always been known as a GM that can think a little erratically at times. So he's a GM that you probably would like to try and do trade business with when he did just lose his closer and you have a closer to trade. And the other thing there is Jerickson Profar is a free agent to be after this year and has yep. been terrible this year. So, you know, they're, they're another yeah, team that him now and in the future. Exactly. They could use another depth piece in Frazier um, for, like you said, now. And they could, I know that they have Cronenworth who's been playing second base, but you never know about Hosmer. Hosmer has been so inconsistent throughout his career. He's on a hot streak now, but Based on what he did the last few years with San Diego, I wouldn't really bank on him being consistently getting at-bats, even how much he's getting paid. So yeah, they could always move Cronenworth to first base, play Frazier at second. The other thing is that the Padres also lost Fam for four to six weeks, who's also a free agent to be. So, you know, Frazier could once again, kind of like you said with the Yankees, you know, they just got some injuries and they're on a little bit of a losing streak now. So Prowler's really looking to try and make a playoff push with this young core he has. You know, he could be getting aggressive here sooner rather than later. This is where we just get wild and we send the Padres the package of Adam Frazier, Keone Kelly, and Josh Bell. And we just go from there. If there is a team that could acquire all three of them and had the prospects to do it, the Padres could now. <laughs> I don't know if they would actually do that, but right. Bell, Bell, once again, though, I, you know, speaking of him, you know, just scrolling through Twitter and Noah, you mentioned the Yankees. It seems like their Yankees, at least their fan base, really is intrigued by Josh Bell. They like to talk about him a lot and they seem like they want him. Uh, up there in New York, uh, obvious reasons, his power in that stadium would be unreal. So, you know, the Yankees known as a team that likes to make splashes, like you said, they're definitely a team to pay attention to heading into this deadline. In all honesty, to get back to the Yankees and Bell real, real quick here, honest question for you, Josh Bell for Clint Frazier, who says no? Pirates. You think? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely think you say I, no to that. Thing is, I know I'm talking just Frazier. I mean, you make Frazier the key of peace. Well, okay, to him okay. all right. Well, that <laughs> changes it that clearly. Yeah, then sign me up. If you give me Frazier yeah. and like 245s, like I can get behind. It doesn't have to be anything major. I just think <laughs> that with, with Frazier, uh, you have him through. I think he's controlled through like 2024 yet. So you'd have him for longer than you'd have Bell. And and the thing is with Bell, I mean, it, let's say next year the National League goes back to not having the designated hitter. You have to have him at first, which just really drags down his value. And, I mean, he's off to a slow start this year. He struggled last year in the second half. Now, again, like Noah said, the struggles were a bit exaggerated and kind of blown out of the water. But still, I that, that if it was Bell for Frazier and a prospect out of the trade, I would have a hard time saying no to if I'm the Pirates. Yeah, I, I can get on board with that. Like I said, if you're going to give me uh, Clint Frazier a prospect, then you know maybe maybe something else like a more modern throw and some international money. Then yeah, I can get behind that. I thought you were talking one on one. I was like, holy! I was like, I didn't know Neil Huntington was back in town. You know what I'm saying? I know. I just. I mean, I, I love Josh Bell. I, I think he's a great hitter, but I do think his his value is a bit overblown sometimes by Pirate fans. And that's where I do wonder uh, in the trade market like that, how much value th- does he actually carry as opposed to what a lot of people in Pittsburgh probably think he does. We're talking Yankees and Padres, two teams that – have been pretty much, you know, maybe the main targets for Pittsburgh. What other teams are, are the Pirates interested in trading with? I guess maybe which players are the Pirates going after the most aggressively throughout this trade deadline? One position I, you know, we keep beating this drum, and Charrington kind of set this up from his first press conference, is I, the catcher. You know, we've been waiting for him to acquire a catching prospect. And I like that he hasn't gone out and – acquired one just to say he got a catching prospect. I want him to make sure that, you know, he's getting the proper value back and not just making trades to make trades to fill holes. So, but I, that's one position I would like, you know, you talk to Padres, they have, I think like three catchers in their top 20 prospects, of course, led by Luis uh, Camposano, but uh, I would imagine he'll be tough to pry away from them. But that's one position I would like to see them uh, try to acquire. Catcher's always catcher's been one that a lot of fans have been like saying that oh they need to acquire they need to acquire. It's a I want them to go after talent over position, and that's what Charrington's done so far based on the draft, based on the trade with Marte, because we thought that oh they might get a catching prospect back for Marte, or they're gonna pick one up in the draft. It's just we need to get talent first and worry about the position later. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think, and I think that's been a big thing, you know, why he hasn't gotten yeah. one yet is because like I said, he, he's definitely not going to just get a catcher right just deal. to say like, Hey, I went out and got a catcher cause we need one. You know, and I think that's something we kind of saw under the previous regime where like you said, instead under this one, he's going for, you know, the top talent he can get. And, you know, I think that's been like a big, I guess, kind of the biggest part of this transition is just not settling. And you seeing that Ben Sherrington wants the best, wants the most for this team. Are you guys upset if we walk away from this deadline, you know, still with most of these guys in Pittsburgh? Obviously, the Pirates are going to make some big moves here. But do we see Neil, excuse me, do we see Ben Sherrington 
you know, become so aggressive that maybe some deals are missed out on? Um, yeah, I think so. Just because overall this deadline's going to be different. Um, they're the way they're exchanging data this year, they're giving each other data through a platform online. So, you know, they're not really seeing these players in person. So, you know, if you're looking to trade a guy like Josh Bell, you want to make sure you know what you're getting back. So that might be something you see more in the off season when they have more time to, uh, look into potential deals for him. But years past, we were frustrated to see Neil Huntington not move guys like uh, Juan Nicasio or Melky Cabrera last year. And yeah, he would say something like, you know, we didn't like the value we were getting back in the trade talks for him. And it's like, I get that to a point, but you know, like we said, something's better than nothing. So if, if guys like Holland and, um, Gerard Dyson are on this team past the trade deadline. I I'd be a little upset just because I I don't see who that's benefiting at all. So yeah, if you can, I mean, guys that are on the last year their deal, especially the veterans like Holland and Dyson, like you said, at some point you just it doesn't really as in a season like this you can't really just be you can't pick and choose what you want. You're just gonna be all right. Well. We'll just take the best thing that we best deal we can possibly get. Even if it's not exactly what you want, you should just take the best deal you can get for a guy like that. Because you really don't know how a season like this is going to play out, and also you don't, and also there you have them for a month, so you might as well just get them. You might as well get something for them. You know, Holland and Keller are the two. If they're not moved, it'll really upset me. Um, as we've hit on, they're both free agents to be, and the biggest thing is teams are always looking for pitching help. And with Holland, he's a lefty, which teams always value with Kella. I mean, yes, Kella's only pitched in one game this year, but he has a track record of being a very, very good back end of the bullpen arm. So I'd like to think you can get something for him regardless. It would draw- the other big thing with Kella was he was out because of the COVID thing. It's yeah, not like he was out with an actual physical issue. His velocity exactly. was 96.8 average in that inning. Like, yeah, he was, he was getting a lot of chases on that breaking ball down in a way like he does when he's good. You know, it, it, with Gerard Dyson, for me, it's a little bit different because I don't know how much of a market, if at all, there's right. going to be for Dyson. So if you don't move Dyson, I'm not going to be super tore up over it like I will be with Holland and Kella. But I, those are the big two. I, I will be I, I will be absolutely stunned if we wake up in the morning of September 1st and Derek Holland and Keone Keller are still members of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I will say this about Dyson. He... Like you said, there might not be much of a market, but with expanded rosters and just being a speed threat, defensive upgrade, if you have a team out there that's looking to add an outfield piece, you know, just to kind of have that Terrence Gore kind of late inning off the bench speed threat, then you might find something. But if anything else, if he is, if you can't find something for him there, he should not be taking a bats away from Oliva. Uh, past the trade deadline. Well, my my thing with Dyson, I, th- I think their their potential saving grace with trading him is you know you get into September and if you're battling for a postseason spot with that new extra inning rule, I mean, what team who is fighting for their postseason lives wouldn't want to be able to stick Rod Dyson out there on second base to start the tenth inning, eleventh inning, whatever it might be? You know, like you said, Nick, with the Terrence Gore kind of role. 
But I, I mean, even if you get international money for him. Yeah, I, I do agree though. If he's still here, I don't want to. Should not be taking at bats away. Yeah, I'd rather see Cole Tucker starting in center even just to get Tucker at bats. You know, so I, now speaking of what you're saying with Tucker, I'm going to be kind of surprised if uh, Frazier isn't traded because it feels like that Frazier should have been out the door this offseason just to make room for Tucker so he's not playing positions he's not used to. I think, yeah, and to go back to that real quick with Frazier, I think one thing that's very telling on Frazier and the Pirates' efforts to move him before the end of the month is, I mean, I, I think they've only had the same lineup. They've had a different lineup in every game this year except for one. They've only used the same lineup twice. Um, Frazier's the only guy who has played the same position every single time he's been in the lineup. And I think them teams know what he can do as a utility guy. I think that's the Pirates trying to showcase him as a second baseman. And that's for, like I said, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's been the stalwart where you've seen guys bouncing around the field, DHing all this, that every time Frazier's been in the lineup, it's been a second base. And when you got guys like Nick Gonzalez, Kevin Kramer, you know, some of these, you know, these really young, talented middle infielders, it's not like you're going to have Adam Frazier on your team, you know, at any point in the future. So moving him is so huge. And in a trade deadline, in a 60-game season, when 16 teams make the playoffs, you know, the Pirates, the Pirates are going to be one of the few, I think, sellers in this, in this trade deadline. Um, you know, how exciting is that, that a lot of teams are probably going to be making the offer, the Pirates a good bit of offers, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah, when you have when you're one of the only true sellers in a deadline, you can you can kind of negotiate prices more with it because, I mean, who else are they going to go to if you, when you're looking at it? Like maybe the Red Sox, but that's about it. It's gonna it's gonna be the Pirates, the Red Sox, and maybe one other team. And so, Mariners, Giants. Yeah, I think Seattle. I think Heyman, Heyman called those four like the only true. Sellers. Yeah, and so you're not gonna find. So I mean, if you you're not gonna have a lot of options to go in like you usually would. Like, and most times you would have them, the Orioles, the Marlins, but the Orioles and Marlins are for some reason doing good. So they're not gonna be sellers necessarily, but you're so you're really limited with limited with options of if you're a contender who to go to. You're going to see a lot of those middle teams who would decide one way or the other, just all decide probably to either buy or just stand pat and not do anything and try to make the playoffs with what they got instead of selling off some pieces like you would see in the past. So I think there is a good chance for there to be a high volume of trade talks for the Pirates, especially when you're considering them and the Giants are the only true uh, sellers in the National League. So and then there's only two true sellers in the American League. You also have to consider that with teams maybe not wanting to do business, you know, in division. So, Yeah, I think one thing with the go back to what you said, Nick, about teams in the middle just kind of standing pat, Think of the San Francisco Giants last year. You know that that's kind of the position they were in. I think we might see a lot of teams do exactly. something like that. We're like, okay, we don't necessarily think we're good enough, but we're hanging around, so let's not blow this up. Let's just stamp out the guys we got. Maybe we do a real minor move for a bullpen arm or something, and whatever happens, happens. Right. So you're gonna have some guys at least off the market, which is gonna, you know, once again lead more uh, GMs to Charrington. And if there's ever a year you want to be in that position as a seller, it's definitely this year, a year where 
you know, you're trading guys for only one month this season. So values are way down. It's tough to really scout guys. So if there's ever a year where it benefits you to only be one of a handful of true sellers, it's definitely 2020. It is going to be really interesting to to see, I guess, who's aggressive because there's fringe teams this year for sure. In a 16-team playoff, there's teams that truly believe they can make a run. But you got to figure that some of those middle-of-the-pack teams are a little bit timid and, and don't want to give up the future for uh, a season like this that is so wacky. Um, but, you know, you got guys like Derek Hall and you got guys like Gerard Dyson, Adam Frazier um, that we've been talking about, you know, being traded for quite some time now. You got a guy like Joe Musgrove, though, that began opening day as the number one starter. Granted, no Jamison Tyone this season, but a guy that the Pirates have had a lot of faith in. Um, you know, of course, getting him in that Garrett Cole trade. What about Joe Musgrove? Where does he end up after this deadline? Do we see the Pirates try to aggressively trade uh, the number one starter? I think it's possible. Um, I, the injury, obviously, is going to be a factor there. I've always been in favor of trying to extend Joe Musgrove. I know that's something the Pirates and Musgrove kicked around this past offseason. It's something I'm sure they'll revisit this upcoming offseason. Um, Musgrove is a guy that scouts in that advanced stats and ERA predictors have always loved a lot more than his actual ERA has. Um, I think if Musgrove was healthy – I think there's definitely an opportunity you could have seen him moved. I know a lot of teams asked about Musgrove in the offseason, and the Pirates were asking for a lot in return with the idea of potentially extending him and making him a, a, a real core piece moving forward. So we'll see. Uh, again, like I said, I think if Musgrove was healthy, I think there's a lot of teams that would make sense. The Yankees, the Braves, uh, you know, Oakland could use pitching. I, I, there's a lot of teams that would make sense to me if he were healthy. Yeah, Houston, yeah, a team that knows him well. It just, I think the health is going to be the big hold up there potentially with him right now. Yeah, I agree with the, the health issue, and that's why I think this, this offseason will be interesting to see. I think it will be a real make or break for Musgrove um, in terms of the front office is going to have to make a decision. You know, Are, are we going to extend him or are we going to – uh, try to ship him off and bring in more pieces because really this is the off season that you would start to shop him to make sure sure you get maximum value. Yeah, with him with his contract right now, you would like to extend him and make him a core piece. But if you can get back a pretty decent return, I'd say pull the trigger and go ahead and trade him. If you can get exactly what you're looking for, or you're getting back a deal that's really good, that it's he's a guy that I think that you you would trade in that situation, but. Right now with his injury, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be traded this deadline. So just to make a note, he is in the same position that Garrett Cole would be in uh, when the Pirates trade him. He has two years of control left. He'll be a free agent after the 2022 season. So it's not right. If they if they can extend him and build on uh, – you know, another two or three years on top of those two years, right, then he might be a part of this team's core. But if Charrington doesn't feel like they can get that done at the right price, then, you know, they're trying a starter with two years of control who has upside still, you know, you're going to get a pretty nice package back for him as well. No doubt. And you got to be a little bit timid. Um, you know, if you're any one of these teams with a guy like that, that really has shown some great signs, but 
has dealt with the injuries more so recently and, um, you know, is obviously battling through that right now. If we're talking on September 1st, when we talk on September 1st, what does the conversation need to be looking back for the Pirates, you know, for us to say the Pirates have won this 2020 trade deadline? What, what needs to happen first and foremost? See, it's tough this year. It really is because I, I think – okay, so you look at some trade deadlines in years past. I mean, last year with you-know-who not, not trading him at the time – look like a failure. Now it looks like a just colossal failure with everything that's unfolded there. You know, you kind of go back to previous years, 2015, for example, when they were contending, they came out and won that deadline. They added a starter, they had a bullpen help, they had a bench help. And this year's just so much different because you're not contending. So you're not looking for pieces to add. And even though you're clearly rebuilding, because of the the messed up schedule and shortened season and all that, as we've hit on a bunch tonight, it goes back to what can you realistically expect to return for one month of Keone Keller for one month of Derek Holland. So I think I will consider it a success if Holland is moved and if Keller is moved and nothing else is done, I will consider that a success. Now let's say they do pull the trigger on Frazier, on Bell, on Musgrove, a guy with control beyond this year, that's when you can really start to grade this deadline because teams are still going to be willing to give up a lot for those guys because they come with the years of control. So you can really start to grade how those trades would look on paper more so than a Holland or a Kella trade. Yeah, I think with like Kella in a normal season, you could probably get back a pretty decent return. Relief pitchers go for a lot sometimes. Like, even rental guys, you come sometimes see you get a pretty decent piece. Yeah, I mean, the Pirates won't start too much to Tony Watson and other yeah, crews. You saw, like. you saw last offseason, you saw last deadline, that the Giants brought back Mauricio Dubon for Drew Pomeranz. So, I mean, you can realistically get back a pretty decent piece for somebody like Kellen in a normal season, but... In a season like this, you really don't know what you can get back. With only one month left, you're not going to be able to capitalize on a return like you normally would. But I think, but I think the Pirates are. We're gonna. We, I think Sherrington's going to go in with a pretty good of idea of what he's looking for at this deadline. Yeah, I think that's one thing we talked about too. Just having all these days off with the uh, Cardinal series and a Red series. This is definitely probably giving the front office a good time uh, to dig into. Uh, you know, this platform that they're sharing data on and really start to look at teams and prospects who might interest them in trade deadline talks. I feel like, you know, it, it's it's a weird year. This is a crazy time, but I think it is kind of a blessing that this staff for their first trade deadline really has a team that they're that they're willing to turn upside down and has a lot of potential buyers as well. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch this year's trade deadline. And hopefully, you know, we're talking about some some really exciting new prospects on the other side of it. Uh, but we still have, uh, you know, roughly 10 days or so, a lot of baseball to be played between now and then. You know, maybe we see some guys gain value, lose value from the beginning of the season. Would you guys say that, you know, maybe Adam Frazier's or. Uh, you know, Joe Musgrove or, or some of these guys, Derek Holland, have they gained value or, or, you know, kind of where's the value shifted since the beginning of the year leading up to this deadline? 
I don't think Holland's value is going to change much. I think for the most part, just because of his track record or the last few years and just being on a minor league deal and at his age and what teams acquiring him, you know, they know they're getting basically a, a lefty bullpen swing band starter. So I don't think they're necessarily, there is going to be much of a chance for him, even if he came out, pitch lights out, to really raise his value that much just because for a guy like Derek Holland, teams know what they're getting already. I kind of feel that way with Frazier that by now you kind of know what you're getting. Now, obviously he hasn't played as long as Holland, but at this point he's, you know, overall league average bat, solid defensive guy. That's can, that's going to provide a decent average, but he's not going to be some all-star or anything, but he can just kind of play. He's kind of a role player, can kind of play wherever you want. So I don't really think that Frazier's value either has been, massively affected or anything because of his slow start yeah i think if there's anyone whose value has been impacted it's probably joe musgrove and has more to do with the injury than anything else um if joe musgrove was healthy and maybe struggling a little bit on the mound i don't think that really would impact his his value because you know again it'd be such a small sample size at this point what three or four starts you're not gonna let that outweigh what he's done but with the injury issue right now with musgrove i think that could potentially hurt his value at the deadline if they would look to move him. And again, like we've said, I think that is probably a big reason why I think on September 1st, Musgrove is a guy who is still here, but definitely could be explored later in the off season. Get excited. Pirates fans. August 31st is coming real soon. going to be a great day. Um, and you know, there's a lot of exciting baseball to be played too. This season is far from over. You got to treat every day. Like it's a fresh start. The Pirates will be taking on Cleveland this week. Uh, at home, we are going to have full recap coverage of that the next time we meet with you, um, you know, and as well as, as more trade deadline talk as we get closer. But that is all for this trade deadline special of Rum Buncher Radio. Noah, thank you for joining us again. You become a regular on, uh, on this show. It's great to have you. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. As always, you can find us on fansided.com slash rumbunter, on Apple Music, on Twitter at rumbunter and on speaker.com slash rumbunter as well. We're going to have a whole lot of content out leading up to this deadline, all kinds of articles, slideshows, features, more podcast episodes as well. So be sure to look out for that, guys, as you get set for this 2020 trade deadline. Until next time, let's go both. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.